welcome to Fourth Dimension where God does all the work. So it pays out 40 ministries if you are blessed by this ministry. Listen in with Sharon Stewart tonight. God bless.
poison. I laid up in the house on my deathbed many times, but God came through for me. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Anyways, Amen. again, if you want to pray, we'll pray with you. It doesn't matter. I would like to pray in the, the service here with mom and real quick and uh, just go before the Lord. So if everybody will, let's pray. Let's stand and pray. Let's go before God, Father. Lord, we welcome you into this place, God. Lord, we don't have to be in a $4 million building, God, for you to move and make money. Lord God, I pray right now we are the church, God. So let us come together and give you glory and honor and praise tonight, God. Lord, have your way in this place, God. And move in the lives of those that are lost and struggling and broken, Father. Have your way, Jesus. Hallelujah.
God for unordinary people, right? Jesus loved them just ordinary. He loved the legacy, and that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to praise like that. And if we do that, if we do our Christianity like that, it changes everybody around us. And even when we're stuck in circumstances that we wish we could change, if we refuse to bow to the situation, and it's real easy to be overwhelmed in the world that we live in. I'm not saying you don't cry, because I cry. I'm not saying you don't get nervous or anxious or aggravated or want to smack your husband or something. I'm telling you, all this stuff is normal. But when it comes to worship, when it comes to my faith, I can look the devil straight in the face and look at him. He's looking because he's scared. He knows I ain't back in town. Because I tell my kids all the time, I didn't come to fight. I come to win. Come on. I don't have to worry about what you think about a thing. I don't give my kids no choices. I said, look, if God was that wimpy, you could get out of his hand, but you don't stand a chance. You just don't stand a chance. I said, you know, like when you throw a net over the over the boat, which I never worked that hard, no plan to. I can go long John Silver's Easter now. But when you throw that net over and them fish get in that net, and the Lord showed me this because I was really worried one time over my children, and I was like, boy, they're getting farther and farther away. Um, this is bad. You know, I can't seem to reach them. And, and the Lord showed me that net, and He showed me them fighting with everything they had. You know how a fish coming out of its element acts like it's crazy? Mm -hmm. I got a couple kids. Um, but they were fighting, fighting with everything they had to get out of that net. And the Lord said, the more they fight against it, the more entangled they will become. Oh, wow. So they ain't got a chance to get away from me and Jesus. <laughs> sure not. But I just want to talk to you just for a few minutes. Jared, he's, he's high-wired and high-geared. And the reason I've got him up here doing all this even tonight is uh, between... Uh, the pollen in all the bushes. I was hoping the coach spell would kill everything in the world out and I would be in better shape than I am. And plus, I've been in revival. So, you know what? I'm, I'm talking a little bass tonight, but I'm okay with that. I don't get offended if people get offended either. You get old as me, you stop caring. You say, you know what? If you feel better in your pajamas and your house, you swear on. Come on in. I like to be that comfortable too. You get mad, get sad, get out and get glad. Do what you got to do, right? But I got souls to win. I got work for the kingdom to do. I ain't playing games. I ain't trying to pass because I feel good. We don't do this because we feel good. Or somebody's going to give us some kind of awards and all that. I got closets full of awards for songwriting and radio uh, music and all that, that don't mean a hill of beans to me. They probably got dust on them that thick. But the battle that I fight's bigger than that. Why I do this thing's bigger than that. I don't need another hobby. I don't need another hobby. I'm too tired and too old for that too. And I don't got a whole lot of pride because when you've been given six months to live and you get back up from that, you act a little bit crazy and you don't care. Come on. So third stage cancer, it ain't. It will not bully me. And when my, if, if I look, it looks like I'm losing to you. If I go home, Come on, speak if I go home and I'm not here, the next time y'all want me to be here because I've done went to heaven. Don't listen to the enemy and act like I lost nothing. Come on. I ain't missing somewhere. I know exactly where I'm at and you else to know too. You let me see some ever how fiery and crazy I was here. I'm on way higher high when I get there. Come on. But I was thinking, um, I was, of course, I'm, I passed her in Harlem. You can just imagine how much fun that's been. <laughs> you know, I, and the Lord spoke to me and told me to uh, raise up a ministry in the Harlem. I've been, um, I, we went to out of the country and done missions. We've been radio music and songwriting. And uh, I've, I've been evangelist for more than 15 years. I've done that. And, and I don't do a lot of evangelistic work now because I'm, you know, I'm a pastor and stuff. But there's a few places I'm going to always be connected to. And this is one of them. Hallelujah. Um, but, you know, I, I, was, I was 
getting this together and thinking, Lord, really praying, God, you give me a word. Somebody's going to be there that's going to be parched, that's going to be needing something from you. I need a divine word. If I can't work in the prophetic, I've wasted my energy and I don't got a whole lot of it left. But I was, and when I was preparing to come here, I heard the Lord keep saying, I heard the conversation between him and when he came up uh, to the disciples. And before that, they didn't even say anything before he said, say not. Because he knew they would analyze their life. Anybody ever stood back and looked at your life and said, Lord, I don't got a whole lot to work with here. You know, this is looking bad. This is looking real bad. They're really, really, really in bad shape over. I don't know how to fix this. You're asking me to do something. So I'm in the middle of Harlem, in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm a woman. That don't say, yeah, but we're in Harlem. People don't do stuff like that, especially women. And I said, Lord, are you watching the news? Do you know what's going on in the world? And you know what I said? I told uh, Jared, I think yesterday, when the Lord speaks to you from out on the, on the water and it's a storm and the boat looks like it's going down and you ain't got no support on the boat and the Lord says, get out of the boat. I'm like, no, it's your aim. I can't do this. You're Jesus. You go ahead and have yourself a time walking on the water. I can't do it. Uh, but the Lord keeps on and keeps on. And when we choose to obey Him, heaven opens up and somehow He works all this stuff out. Let people go. Don't worry about what they're doing or not doing. If you try to hang on to people that's trying to turn loose of you, you're just staying disappointed. You can't do that. You've got to just wave goodbye. Yeah. Cry when you get home. Go wave goodbye. That's, you just got to let it go. And you got to say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it no matter what. If I'm sick, I'm doing it anyway. If I'm tired, I'm doing it anyway. If I'm broke, I'm doing it anyway. So I heard Jesus having a conversation with the disciples and he says, say not. He's about to talk to them about the harvest. And he tells them straight out the gate, don't say four months and then comes harvest. We always analyze our situation and say, I'll do this when. When I get enough money, I'll, I'll sure I'll do that. When I get some more peace and joy and comfort in my life, sure I'll do that. I'll do that when I can afford it. I'll do that when I get my health back and I get back in shape. I'll do that because I'll feel better then. Say not, he said to them, four months and then comes the harvest. I want you to look at somebody right now and say, I ain't waiting. So Jesus said, look on the fields. Now let me tell you something. It's one thing. You know, we talk all this and we preach this and it sounds real pretty when it's coming out of somebody else's mouth. But when you're looking in a field that don't got nothing in it, and he says, look, and I'm trying to picture it, I'm not, I'm not seeing much. You know? First of all, he was talking that talk in a winter month where nothing, harvest wasn't that. It'd be different if there was great vines growing somewhere and he said, you know what? Just look a little deeper. You'll find a power of apple or something. But they ain't nothing. Now, anybody ever face where there's nothing? The land is bare. No hope for anything to grow. And you're telling me to look over here and see this. The fields are already white to harvest. And I'm thinking, are we looking at the same field? You know, have you, have you looked inside my house? Have you looked in my life? Have you looked in my children? And you're telling me to see harvest? And all I can see is heartache. You're asking me to be encouraged and I don't even have no peace. You're asking me to be excited and I'm depressed and anxious. What am I supposed to be looking at? We have to decide to get a vision and look through the eyes of the Word. See, I'm big on the Word. The Word fixes everything. I, and you know what? It's not in our timing, but at some point we get up because the Bible says the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead shall be in us and quicken our mortal bodies. And let me tell you something. You may say, well, you know what? That might work for you. No, it would work for you if it's born again. Because things can't stay dead around the power of God. Amen. You can't be anointed and stay in the pits of hell in your life. You can't stay anointed. 
storm. But let me tell you something, you will not be defeated by it. Even everything the enemy meant to harm you with will be turned around to bless you. Amen. Everybody that ever let you down in your life, God returns full circle and gives you better than what you had before. That's hard to see when you're looking at a dry, barren field. It's real hard to say, look to somebody and say, build your barns bigger. And you feel like you ain't got nothing to put in a little barn, a long big one. And that's exactly what it looks like. But as people of God, we've got to see past this normal circumstance and we've got to look and we've got to press deeper into it because He sees a harvest in us or He wouldn't have chose us to, to, to set our face like a flint, have a vision and just go towards it. Go ahead and get out of the boat. Go ahead and speak it into your life. Go ahead and smile when you don't feel like it. Go ahead and bless somebody's life. So into ministry. Work in the kingdom. What have you got to lose? Amen. Let me tell you something. If the same spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Come on. Was there a whole lot of people that I've met in my life? I'd be running the other way. Because it ain't always that. They talk a big talk, but when it gets right down to it, they hit the road, Jack. You know what? There ain't a whole lot of people that will stick and stand and walk with you and say, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm about to go to prison. And Paul and Silas, I'm about to go to prison. Y'all want to go with me? No, sure I'm. I'll see you when you get out. <laughs> you know, it's hard. We're not going to always be willing. The flesh is not willing. The spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. We don't feel like half the time. You think I tell my people at church all the time, I put makeup on for you. That's right. They are so in your work that to me. But let me tell you something. What I do know is if I don't obey God, if I don't answer the call of God, I'm in trouble. And I heard the Lord say, if you go after mine, I'll go after yours. Amen. Raising my kids. I don't know what I'm going to do with them all the time. And you know what they say to me? Mom, you're just old and that's how you get that deal. Well, it worked for me though. Yeah, that's right. I tell everybody all the time, I know it's a lot to say and this, is going, this don't sit right with the church world. But my mom literally beat the hell out of me. Because I was one more radical, rebellious, big mouth, need the last word, knocked down. I got more whoopings than anybody in my house. When I got old enough and bought a couple motorcycles, she didn't want me. Oh, God, she's lost it now. And you know what? She's not that person. I'm completely different from, from, from that. I'm, I'm radical and I'm, I'm loud and I'm bold and I'll do whatever the Lord tells me to do no matter what it looks like. That day when we were talking about no ordinary worship, that day when the woman crawled through the crowd to get to Jesus, she was not supposed to do that. That was against the law. Yes. Even then, for an even close to a crowd, she was supposed to yell, unclean, when she come around people. Yeah. And yet she crawls right up in the middle of them to go and get her healing and do and, and get a hold of God. Help them, Jesus. We got we got Von Kahl's name once is going by. Um, but we got to be determined to rise up and do the will of God because let me tell you something. Um, it don't make no difference how burned it is. It don't make no difference how long it's been since it rained. It don't make no difference what kind of shape has put you where you're at tonight. There is a Jesus that loves you so much that he would have me drive. That's why I ain't playing. He would have me drive six hours or whatever it was. And, and get here. I, I love you in the, in, in, in the Jesus way, but ain't none of y'all worth that to me. You know, I tell the Lord all the time, I don't even like you people. 
<laughs> you imagine what kind of handful up in for mine. You know why you get in the ministry and out there enough? I went to a convention one time. It was one of the biggest that is uh, in, ever uh, in the world. It's one of the biggest ones. And uh, people was walking by me. And I'm sitting here all excited about being in this great, amazing place with all these, you know, famous people. And woo, you know, and all the other <laughs> They were walking by me with their noses up in the air. I said, this is straight up Solomon and Gomorrah. I'm getting out of this place. <laughs> I am never coming back here again. These people are mean. You know what? Every, but that's why I guess I was called to not, not to knock all y'all people. That's why I was called to rehabs and jail ministry and, you know, down in the street and on the corner and under a tent and all this stuff because I have that kind of personality. I get people like that. I get it. You know, and I also know that God uses people like that and He loves them. He's waiting for somebody to raise up and be who they're supposed to be. And somebody's waiting for you to show them. Can I really do this and be who I am? Now Jesus changes us from the inside out. That's the thing. We, we do change. And we learn. And we become more like Christ as we go. I've had a whole lot of personality for the Lord to work with. When the Lord spoke to me like 20-something years ago, when I was about 26, a whole lot of personality. I literally said, hand up to God, I am. I said, I hate to disappoint you, Lord. But I was born with this personality that is a little weird. And I'm not like nobody in my family. And I get mad easy. And I'm, I, 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 um, I like to fight, and, you know, and, uh, you know, my, people don't like me because of who I am, and, all, and I'm telling God about all this personality, and it's like he laughed and said, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew exactly what kind of personality you were going to have. I knew that ADHD was going to about kill your mom. I knew every bit of this, but I had to sit and, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and we're living proof this one and me and him. Now, I married somebody completely opposite of me that I won't. I'm trying to be good. You got me on live right there. I'm holding back. Oh, Lord knows. I'm, I told Paul. Oh, there you go. I said, Paul, when men marry excited women, you know, this after Jesus, we literally want to choke you out. We do. Men with that, you know, that's kind of weird. But you have to marry opposites. I mean, me and Robbie would either be dead or in jail probably if we was been the same. But he's completely quiet and, and gentle and laid back and all that. And thank God for it because I don't know what I would do if he wasn't. It would be a mess. It would be a real whole mess. But I am thankful for that. And I am thankful for the opportunity to be able to stand in front of the grave of Lazarus. And not be buffeted by death. Not be challenged because there's a stone in front of it. I, you look, if you can see a picture of me in the spirit standing outside of a rock that covered the door of, with my child behind it, I would, I would be talking so much that I would shake the ground and cause an earthquake and I'd bust that rock up into pieces. And if I didn't work, I'd go through it with my bare hands. Because I'm after it. I ain't playing. I'm not, I ain't got time to play. Because the Lord has done too much for me and I've got way too much I need them to do to slack off and not do that. And people are so buffeted by the devil because they think because the circumstances in their life is, you know, not everything that they would like it to be, then they're challenged and, you know, whatever. And we just came through uh, celebrating the resurrection of, of Jesus and believing, you know, that he got up and, and all this stuff. Well, that's been a long time. He's been up for a long time. You know, we got people waiting to see Jesus after they leave. I thought, am I, I mean, you know, is it just me? I need to take a trip every now and then. I need to get Holy Ghost wasted. I need to get lost in the spirit. I need to be out of it. I need to uh, be able to escape this life and go to the other one. Somebody said, well, you know what? You can't do that. Religion acts like they can't. But let me tell you something. My Bible says that we were made to sit together in heavenly places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I can't leave the building, I just soon stay home on the couch. Yeah, yeah. I've got to leave this place for a few minutes. 
And while I'm in this place right here, I'm going to get it all I have in this moment. I can't let you get in my way. Come on. I can't let nothing, whatever you're going through, you know what? Does, no matter what that looks like in front of you, no matter how hard that looks like that is, we've seen God move like this before. We've watched Him do bigger things than this before. And, and you are not a challenge to the Lord. You did not walk up in here on an accident. He's got a plan for your life. He wants to make a chain breaker out of you. Amen. And you know what? I said, uh, when I was thinking about this, this dead, parched ground, and Jesus looking at them and saying, you don't have to wait. See, if we're not careful, we're always waiting until it gets better to be better. Because I'm telling you, if you've ever went through anything that's been challenging in your life, you realize that tomorrow always sounds better. Well, I'll do that later. I'll do that when I'm over. I'll do that tomorrow. I'll do that when I feel better. And I'll do this when they act and right. And I'll do that. And it's all the time. It's all the time waiting. But the Bible says to be instant in season and what? Out of season. How in the world can you be okay in the good season and okay in a bad one? You can't do that in the world. That don't exist. There ain't a high, high enough to do that right there. Because everyone in the universe where you're at, you're going to come down from there and you're going to realize life is just still as hard as it ever was. But there's a way to have peace in the middle of chaos. There's a way to be excited when the clouds are over top of your life and it looks like you're not going to come out on top. There's a way to do that and that is only through and by the Spirit of God. And we've been given that on this side. You know, there's some song that says... When we all see Jesus. I love that song, right? Yeah. And you know, people sing that song and they're talking about when they die. I ain't talking about when I die. I'm not doing it because you see something. If the church, if the Christians, I say church, but some of them ain't even saved, but if the Christian, the real Christ like people, would go ahead and see Jesus on this side, there'd be a whole lot more people see Jesus later. Come on. Because they ain't seeing a whole lot of it. And the world sure can't see him. Because you didn't look like a hypocrite to them. Yeah. Jesus don't act like that. Jesus ain't ugly. He's not, you know, I have to tell Jared all the time. When we first, I use him. Good thing you're here, I can you. We were at the church and Jared was, you know, trying to get his calling in, you know, do what he needs to do. And, he, and he's got had this desire and fire inside of him and I love it. And one day I, I said, Jared, until you got control of the horn in your car, you ain't ready. <laughs> I had no idea that he had a problem with the horn in his car. <laughs> but his wife let me know right real quick. <laughs> so he started disciplining that person. And I'm thinking, you know, anyway, it's real easy to be aggravated at drivers. Uh, I mean, it really is. <laughs> Some of them are crazy, right? And Jared, he wants to pull off side of highway and have a conversation with everything. <laughs> you know, I mean, everything. And so he, he started getting this, you know, trying to get this discipline and get it under control. And then one night, he, they were on their way to church, and of course, Jared was driving, and Caitlin was in, in the car, and somebody cut him off or did something. Up in front of us as we were doing 55, And she was begging him to blow the horn off. <laughs> and so I'm trying to not do that no more. You know, I'm trying to be nice. And it's one thing to, you know, you let somebody know you're there. I'm not telling you not to, you know, try to save your life and everything. But when you got a whole lot more behind that horn, some, you know, four-letter words and things going through, all through your head, and you see people, you know, laying on the side of the road, and you hit them with your car because you're so mad at them. Uh, the good chance is you might need to work on you just to tap it. Because we all go through stresses in life and hard places in life. We want to get even. I've been horn free for two months. Horn free. <laughs> Woo! But you know what? When you start discipline and working on those things, those character things that you have to do, you the one has to do it. The Lord ain't going to reach down out of the sky and smack you right in the mouth and hold your mouth together. You get to say, and, and you get to challenge yourself and say, I'm going to try to be good. 
I'm going to try to be good. I'm going to try not to blow my horn so much. I'm going to try not to get mad at other people so much. And God help you if you work in public. You know, I tell somebody out there, I have to remind my face all the time it's saved. Because I feel okay to hold my tongue. But if my eyes are rolled back here, then that might cause a fight as well. And so I have to. You know, so I have to get my, woo, Jesus, I got to get my Jesus raised up. That same spirit, you know, raised up and, and, and go because the thing is, I tell everybody, we all have, a, God has deposited seeds. I don't care how lost, if you're in here and you feel like you're more lost than anybody else, God knew you before you were born. And he deposited a seed in you. And how do you know that? Because the Bible says, to every man, and he's talking about mankind, he says, to every man he has been given the measure of faith. So there is an ability inside of you to believe the gospel and to be saved and to get better and to correct and to discipline yourself to become the men and women of God you need to be. That is in you to do. You have that ability. I know you don't feel like it all the time. And I know, you know, maybe everybody in your family said you'd never be able to do it because you know you're so uh, loud and wild and, and stuff. But I tell you, with the love and help of Jesus, you can do something with that. Because you're not... You're not barren that you don't have no seed in you. So when you come together like this, and you have people like Jared or Shay or the worship team that was up here that done uh, such an amazing job, that's a musician back here, going to blow the harmonica. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I had to look around for it. I thought, now who is doing that? <laughs> um, amazing. But what's happening when we're under the sound of this stuff, and you may think, well, you know, you're the one doing it. No, it's all of us together. Because everybody pours a little bit of water on the seed that's already there. And that seed takes root. And that seed begins to grow. And then it begins to come up through fallow ground. You may say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not like, I didn't come up in church and I wasn't raised like that and all this. And let me tell you one more story. Um, I was thinking today, and I said, you know, we're, we're down trying to go through and get a coffee. It took us, felt like, 12 hours to get it, but we finally got one, and I'm looking out across that ground, and I said, I need a stick. <laughs> Jerry said, well, I guess you want me and Robbie to go steal you a stick or something. I said, well, let's not do it down here in town. We might go to jail. <laughs> And I said, but I need a stick. And so Robbie gets out of the car and he gets me this little stick. It's about like this. It's about this big. I said, no, no, I need a real stick, like a, like a branch or something. And Jared said, and so then we ended up somewhere else and Jared is jumping up into this tree. I said, oh gosh, hurry up. Oh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Uh, but Jared, get that and bring it over. We'll show you. Oh, well, did you? So, I was thinking, if we stuck this in the ground, I can't help it, I gotta get rid of that stuff like that. If we stuck this in the ground, now it's, it's dead. It's real dead. Chances are, it's not gonna grow nothing, right? I mean, once it's dead, it's dead, right? There was a story in the Bible, and God spoke to uh, the tribes and told them, everyone, to bring it a rod or a staff and they said to represent the house, their households and uh, and God was about to appoint and choose a man of God or favor on a household to put his favor on and I'm just I'm just breaking this down right now and so every one of them got a rod and brought it and they took the rod these these not in the ground never going to grow again Rods, and they took them into the tabernacle. <coughs> and they took them into the presence of God. They took their dead nothing into the presence of God. They took their dead marriage into the presence of God. They took their dead relationships and dead childhoods and dead bank accounts and whatnot. And they took them and they left them in the tabernacle for 24 hours. And 
God told them the one that buds is where he would place his favor. All of a sudden, I heard something today. Um, and I got to staying on that. And I thought, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like, you know, I've been trying to be nice. <laughs> Jordan has had a couple of flowers on there. But how many knows that uh, when, when, a, when something buds and, and gets petals, a good strong wind can blow that off. Rain can blow that off. So, you know, it, what the church world don't realize, this superficial Christian face on Sunday or whether in their church clothes, if the, the, a bad, bad storm comes and they lose that, yeah, it's right. real easily lost. But here's what happened to the rod that they took into the tabernacle. It didn't just bud. No, come on. It had buds on it that grew to full grown and produced fruit. Something dead. Now anybody in here needs some to produce some fruit into some dead situations in their life. And you know what? I could keep this around me till the cows come home. In my presence. I could try to be nice to it and talk to it even. People think I was crazy, but I could do it. And chances are, it never do anything. But this representing your deadness, your barrenness, your ability in certain situations to never be any better, no matter if you think it or if somebody else has stolen over your life, never going to do anything, never going to get better, never going to achieve a thing, <coughs> bringing it into the presence of God changes everything. Everything. So it changed the way it looked. It changed the way it smelled. It changed the way it felt. And then when it produced fruit, it was able to change everybody else. It ain't just enough to get yourself better. God's got a purpose for your life, and it's to do with somebody else's future. I met Shay. How long has it been, Shay? Goodness, it's been a minute. 2007. Wow, did I have wrinkles back then? <laughs> she said neither one of us did. <laughs> but I remember I was at it. I was doing a service. I've been doing a weekend revival. I have no clue. But I remember having to come down off of the floor and weaving through this all kinds of people. And I remember her face, and I remember bobbing and weaving back through the crowd to get to her. And I remember seeing her in a little room, and she was up high in this little room, and she was talking to the Lord. And I remember the Lord beginning to speak, and I don't know word for word today, but I remember speaking into her life and saying, you know, God, had a, God has a big plan for you. And I knew somehow that some little girl that was in there had got a hold of the Lord and the Lord had hurt her and was going to use her in a way that she would have never have dreamed. And Amen. you know, I remember the shocking look on her face. Hallelujah. And I, you know, and, and she was so humble and so uh, receptive. And she was, it was absolutely amazing. And you know, I watched God do that. From 2007 through the years up to now, I watched God do that. And I'm here to tell you, if you're in this building, and I'm, and I'm closing. If you're in this building, and you have lived a life or faced things recently or whenever in your life that have not gave you the results that you need, that have left you uh, barren or you wonder, am I too far gone? Is it too far gone? You, can you even do anything with this? I have asked God that before. Yeah. Can you do anything with this? And you know, I believe with everything in me that when we bring that into the presence of God, it changes everything. Amen. I cannot go after
for my grown children at this point with the wrath of a mother like I would like to. Because they wouldn't like me no more. But I know how I fight my battles. I know how I win my battles. I know how to get on my face before God and begin to call out on Him. I told my husband one day, I said, look, and this has been years because I've, I've built five since then. But the Lord impressed me and said, put the altar back in the church. And our thing this year is no more stages, just altars. And I, I, I could just see how important we made this place up here because I've been on it my whole life. How important this place had become to the church and to gospel music and evangelism and, and all this, how important that become. But the Lord was, He said, if, if the altar would be put back when they come in and they see that, they'll instantly know why it's sitting there. So I had my kids go to, to, go to the creek because Joshua told the children of Israel, He said, when you go through Jordan on dry ground, he said, bring a whole stone out of the midst of Jordan. And if you've been in here and God's brought victory into your life on any level, I ask you right now in this house, I ask you to remember and reach down into the middle of that and pick that stone up for somebody else. He said, I want you to get a stone that represents your household the same way they did this. And when you get on the other side of Jordan, you build an altar. He said, and when you build an altar, your children would pass by it. And they would ask, what, and I won't say it like King James Version. They would ask, what meaneth thou these stones? What these stones mean? He said, you'll be able to tell them what great things that the Lord has done. Has God done anything for anybody in this house tonight? Amen. I can answer for you. But I know for me in my house what he's done. According to the doctors, 14 years ago, I was supposed to die. And my babies got around my bed. I raised them in church. They got around my bed. They come in there and I said, I need you to pray. I could barely talk. I was weak. They did not look like death. I was leaving here without a miracle. They got around my bed and I said, y'all got to pray. God pray. I need a move of God. I'm, I'm not going to be able to stay here with you. And there are not six kids just around my bed. And you know, sometimes you're so alone that all you have is those few that God has given you. And everybody else is gone. Been let down by parents or spouses and all this stuff.
Oh.